Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes, your no BS wedding business podcast. We're here to real talk you through common F-ups we see companies making and the practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic is fighting a slump. And in this episode, we are interviewing an expert to help you learn how to stop getting ghosted by wedding couples. We're sitting down with the leading international speaker and expert on the business of weddings and events. He's an author of five books, a consultant, sales trainer, and podcaster, Mr. Alan Berg. Hey, how you doing? your host. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Hi, Alan. Hi. You're our hosts. Who are are my hosts? (laughs) I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to The Shit Show. (laughs) Episode 29 of The Wedding Sassel. Oh, we are so excited. Warm Sassel, welcome to Alan. Welcome, Alan. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you. Sorry for jumping the gun. Nah, it's all right. It's never it's never a bad thing to be excited to say hello. <laughs> well, it, it's great to be never. with you guys. Shannon, we've known each other for for, for forever. And uh, Vanessa, nice to see you. Hello, hello. It's yeah, nice I mean, Alan's definitely already heard me tell this story, but... Um, as a very young green salesperson and the venue world, I left catering to go work at a venue and, you know, it was just a different ball game from catering to venue. And I didn't have the knowledge that I needed. And I was very lucky to have owners that invested in sending me to wedding MBA to get all the knowledge. And I'll never forget. Alan gave a presentation about packages. He still gives this presentation today. So hopefully you'll get to see it and learn about it. But um, it changed literally the trajectory of my career because to be able to learn it, take back the education, whether you're listening on a podcast or at a conference or whatever, and actually implement it was, I mean, it, I changed, it changed everything of what we were doing to be able to massively grow that business. So I'm here today and you're listening to me because I learned things from experts like Helen. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. My business is about giving people actionable content. I think we've all been at a conference friends where we get overloaded drinking from a fire hose and we come back with our notes. And uh, I've heard this phrase, it's called shelf help, where you take your notes, you put them on the shelf and you never do anything Mm -hmm. with them. And my thing is, I want you to walk away, whether it's a one-on-one consultation, whether it's a small mastermind or whether it's winning MBA with 5,000 people and take action and do something with what you do. And, And that to me is the ROI. I'm sure you find the same thing in your consulting business. If people don't do anything with what you tell them, we've just wasted everybody's time. So, Absolutely. you know, whether it's ghosting, whether it's sales or whatever it is, um, you know, that's it. I, I worked with a photographer the other day, one-on-one, and he was getting ghosted. He's, you know, he's telling me about his replies and stuff. And I found he wasn't following up enough. So he was worried about the ones that responded and never responded again. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 40% of them never responded the first time. And you never followed up with those people. Well. Two weeks later, he he messages me and he said, I'm doing what you said, shorter message. We'll talk about this, shorter messages, yeah. ending with a question, and then in all caps, and it's working, <laughs> right? That's the, that's the we, ROI. We talk about that a lot in general, that like you can learn the things you want to, but if you don't put them into place, but most of the time we find that people aren't just tracking. They're just not tracking their numbers in a way. And so that's some of what we'll talk about more today. Yeah. I think uh-huh. the, the biggest opportunity I find, and, and I was just doing a slide on this uh, in Spanish, I was telling you that I was just doing a slide <laughs> on this, but the biggest opportunity that I think all businesses have, and this is not wedding and event businesses, this is all businesses, are the people that have already reached out that have not told you no. 
Because if they've not told you no, it doesn't mean they booked somebody else. Maybe they've put off the decision or whatever. And and the reason I said it's not just wedding and events is because we're we're consumers too. We're not just businesses, we're consumers. And how many times have we reached out to somebody about something and then we just didn't make that decision yet? Maybe there's not a sense of urgency for it or whatever, whether it's you know HVAC work or whether it's electrical work or getting your dog groomed or whatever. If you've mm-hmm. reached out, there was an interest, well keep reaching out until I tell you no, because maybe we'll still do it, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of reasons why people don't respond to wedding vendors. And and one of them is they're busy. One of them is there's no particular sense of urgency, right? What, people get sick. Dogs get sick. You know, cats get sick. It's, things Life happen. happens. Oh, yeah. That's Life it. happens. Right. So what is, what is your first reaction when a broading pro tells you, I'm getting ghosted all the time? What do I do? What's well, the first thing that you well, tell them? Well, okay, because you said, what's my, what's my reaction? My reaction is I'm not surprised because I do a lot of secret shopping. And when I do a secret mm-hmm. shopping, we're seeing exactly what they're doing. As a matter of fact, right now, as we're recording, my assistant this morning shopped 28 or 29 different businesses, uh, oh, wow. venues, um, uh, rental companies, DJ, photo, video, caterers, right? And we're going to see how they reply. And what I find is, if you don't respond immediately, and I don't mean an auto response because an auto response to me is not a real response because most auto responses I see, even the, I'm going to do air quotes here if you're listening, even the good ones, right, that are worded very conversational and it's like, oh, hey, you know, Vanessa sent me this message. They're usually not followed up or they're followed up with a drip campaign, which is just as impersonal. And they keep trying the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. Okay, so what do I see most? Mostly what I see is people are trying to respond as quickly as they can because they know, uh, even according to the nod, about 50% of people will use the first one who responds, right? You you have their attention. Let's step back for one second. By the time they reach out to you, right, for a venue, for flowers, for photography, for planning, whatever it is, it means that they have eliminated most of the other people that are potential that could do that. I don't mean the same price point, the same whatever, but if you think about how many DJs are there in any one particular market? And the answer is way too many to count, right? <laughs> True story right. in most categories. Right, yeah. right. Wedding planners, the same thing. Invitation companies, officiants, you go down the list, right? There. But by the time they reach out, it's typical, according to all the surveys that I've seen through the Knot and Wedding Wire and other places, three to five is about how many people reach out to on average. Sometimes it's one, I want you. Sometimes two, sometimes seven, right? Sometimes 10, but it's usually three to five. Well, three to five is way less than the way too many to count of what there are in the market. Yeah. So when they reach out, they've already put you on the short list. They clearly like what they've seen, read, heard, watched, personally experienced, whatever it is, they like that. And this is not cold calling. I've done cold calling. I did cold calling for 10 years. I drove around New Jersey in the Hudson Valley in New York, knocking on doors like yours, trying to find out if there was an interest. Now, sure, I I did my research and I looked at who's a better prospect, but sometimes I was literally driving down a street and go, oh, I don't know that business. Let me go, let me go walk in, right? Yeah, wedding sales is a little bit easier because it's warm sales. Like you're not, there's no, you're not out finding, walking down the street looking for people with a ring on. Right, like, and, and I reached out to you. Right, even if you do a wedding expo, 
right? And you have that yeah. list of people that walk through the door. They walk through the door. Now you don't know yep. if they need your service, but they walk through the door. So they're, they're more interested. Advertising is about buying audiences. And this is from a guy that was vice president of sales at The Knot that published two wedding magazines. And I told my sales reps, you're not selling advertising. Nobody wants to buy advertising. What they want is access to an audience that might need what they do. And then the, the more focused that audience, the better and stuff. So, you know, the difference between advertising on Wedding Wire versus advertising on Facebook is people go to Facebook for a lot of reasons. They go to Wedding Wire because they're getting married, right? So it's a more targeted audience, just like a wedding expo, you know, there's more targeted audiences. So when somebody says I'm getting ghosted, my first thing is, okay, well, let's look and see what you're doing. And are you doing any tracking? And Shannon, you, met, you, you, messaged, you, you said this, you know, people aren't tracking. What would you want to track if you could in a perfect world? And you're not going to, but I'm going to tell you anyway. What would you want to track? Because you would want to see your leads that are coming in. Where are they coming from? Because the leads from different sources are going to be different quality. And when I say quality, mm-hmm. I don't mean that they're better qualified, meaning they can afford what you do and whatever. But somebody that goes to your website, makes an inquiry, I think is a better quality qualified lead than someone yeah. that goes to wedding wire or they're not. Yeah, than a director. Or, or, or Zola or anyplace else. Only because, you know, they went to your site and you don't get business from your website. You get business through it. They had, they came right. from somewhere to your website. Your website didn't blow it. It got them to make the inquiry because it's got one job. <laughs> get me yeah. the inquiry. So get that form. You know, if you think about like a relay race, the baton got passed and passed and now it got passed to you. Don't blow it. Now it's your turn. Don't blow it. So when you get that inquiry, they've eliminated most of your competitors. Your job is to continue a conversation that they have started. And what most people do, and I think the number one reason that people get ghosted is because they try too fast to add a high commitment on the part of the person reaching out. And what do I mean by that? Somebody goes to your website, fills out your contact form, or they go to your profile in a directory and they fill out your, you know, an inquiry. That is, it's not impersonal. They know who you are. It's not anonymous. They know who you are, but there's a, there's an arm's length thing there. I want information, right? What do they typically ask? I like pricing and packages or whatever. And they didn't call you. They didn't reach out and say, hi, I'd like to have a meeting with you. And from the wedding professional side, most wedding professionals like, well, if I can get them on a call, if I can get them on a Zoom, if I can get them to come in, I can close that deal. Like, well, you can. But if that's what they wanted, they would have said, that's what I wanted. And when you say, well, let's change, and this is um, uh, adding friction to the process. Let's change from that digital communication that you did, which is a contact form, email, text, WhatsApp, whatever, to a phone call, a Zoom call, or coming in. I'm not saying you can't ask for it, and I'm not saying they won't do it. But when you do it right away, some people are like, uh, no. No, I'm going to go to somebody else who's making it easy for me because you just added friction to the process. You made it easier for yourself, not easier for them. And if you look at what I see, which is in most of the replies that I get from wedding professionals, we fill out, I'm sure that's what I'll see today with these 29 different businesses is thanks so much for reaching out. Great news. We're available on your date if that's if that's the case over there. And we'd love to talk to you more. When's a good time for a call? Or when would you like to come see our venue? And that's their first response. And the thing is, and I wrote this in, in my book, Why Are They Ghosting Me? Almost everything works sometimes. Nothing works all the time. Nothing I'm going to teach right. you works all the time. But what you're doing is you're taking these people and you're saying, if you're not willing to get on the phone on a Zoom or come in, we're done with you. 
because these people don't generally follow up or they follow up again, asking for the call again, asking for the call again, asking for the call or the tour or whatever. And it doesn't work. And And what you get fooled by is, well, it worked for them and it worked for these other people. That means it's not me. It's gotta be you. Right. It's got got to be you. Well, and sometimes it's the factors of like when you look at someone's website and that venue over there puts all their pricing and it's full pricing transparency and you don't have that on your site. So, yeah, they already know enough information to want to take the next steps rather than just kind of jump right in. One of the things we did on um, my site, which is a directory on wedding venue map on the venue form specifically was there they can check the option that says um i'd like to take a tour so it's very specific and then we kind of taught our venues that if they check that box it is a hot lead and you reach out to book the time but if they don't check that they're like trying to get info and price shopping and like they're trying to learn you probably didn't put enough information out there right and not you can't put everybody into the same bucket because people buy different ways um if you've never read the book, uh, uh, The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz, it's a great book on how people make decisions. I've read the book twice. I will probably read it again. It's how people make decisions. And people make decisions different ways. Um, yeah. I just finished reading another book called The Jolt Effect, J-O-L-T. It's by Matthew Dixon and, and two other guys. I forget their names. Uh, they wrote The Challenger Sale. Uh, the Jolt Effect, and then I just finished another one by them. Great books. But The Jolt Effect was interesting. It said it's about indecision. And what happens is sometimes people are like, hey, you know, Vanessa, love you, love what you do, but they just can't pull the trigger. And what we then try to do is try to sell them, but they're sold already. What we have to do is we have to find where the indecision comes from and address the indecision, not the do you love me, do you trust me, do you want to work with me, but What's stopping you from pulling the trigger? And they talk about uh, errors of omission and errors of commission, right? Error of omission is you don't make the decision. You just put off the decision and therefore you don't get the benefit, but you also don't have to be on the hook if it goes south, right? So people who do errors of omission is like, well, if I make that decision, this is error of commission. If I make that decision, everybody knows I made that decision. And if it doesn't go right, it's on me. And people are afraid of making the wrong decision or whatever. So they talk about addressing the indecision there with, hey, you know what? If I was you guys, here's what I would do. Let's go with this package a little bit lower. We could always change that later. And let's get started with the planning. And then you can upsell them later if if appropriate, right? But people make decisions different ways. I have two sons and they make decisions entirely differently because one is a graphic designer and one is a financial analyst. Their brains just don't function. How they came out of the same room. Completely different. I I don't understand. So my graphic designer son, see it, want it, get it. His older brother, the financial analyst, see it, think about it, analyze it, think about it some more, analyze it again, think about it again, analyze it some more. When he was a child, we called him a procrastinator. Now he's an analyst and it's the same thing. He's a professional procrastinator now. And it takes him a longer time to make a decision. He makes very good decisions. And, and right, he he understands it very well. It's just not going to happen quickly. And if you're the kind of person that makes quick decisions and you're up against him, you're like, you're pulling your hair out. Now you look like me. You're pulling your hair out and you're like, why can't you make a decision, right? And then if you're the kind of person that likes to think things over, I had a client like this at a venue and she never closed anybody on the first appointment at the tour, never. And I said, why? She goes, well, it's a big decision. I think they should go home and think about it. 
I said, you oh my tell God. them that? That's Does what she I say. Did she say that? Go home yes. and think yes. about it? Yes. Oh That's what she's telling them. Yes. Yep. I said, you, uh, mean, you mean you've never closed somebody on the first appointment? She said, well, there was this one couple, they came in, they loved the place. I told them to go home and think about it. They got halfway down the driveway, turned around, came back and said, we don't want to think about it. We want to get married here, right? So understanding that not everybody buys the way that you do. Not everybody thinks the way that you do. Um, one of the things I'm asked to teach a lot in my sales training is don't sell with your own wallet. It's actually a chapter in my, ne- yeah. my next book that's coming out, which is stop selling and help them buy. It's it's not your wallet. It's not your money. And just because yeah. you wouldn't buy it for your wedding or your event doesn't mean this person doesn't want it for theirs and doesn't mean they won't pay for it because maybe they value it more than you do. I mean, I, I'm sure we've seen that, you know, just in photos of weddings and videos and things that you've experienced personally, something like, really, that's that that's important to you, that thing, right? And then other times you're like, well, you should have this. This is really great. And they're like, yeah, yeah, not important right. to them. We, we're putting our priorities and our wallet on somebody else's event. And that's not what we should be doing. We should be letting them buy. Yeah. Well, and I always say to myself that I'm not my ideal client. So right, I wouldn't be using my own wallet because I'm not what I want. And, and think about it. Most people in the wedding and event industry are not the demographic of their customers. No, right? no, absolutely. A thousand percent, especially when you get up into the luxury and you know, the super luxury and things like that. So is there anything specific that can be done to prevent that? Like, is there any cues like the lady from the venue that you said she gives them time to think about it or like the photographer, are there anything specific that you would tell them to prevent? Yeah, yeah so they don't get ghosted. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, when I do a presentation on this, I, I cut it down to like kind of three or four things. In my book, I have nine, but we'll cut it down to three or four. And the first is, if you give them an, er, er, right away what they think they need, then they don't think they need to respond because they have what they need to shop you against other people. So when they say, can I have your pricing and packages, assuming it's not already on your website, because I'm with you, Shannon, I think a level of transparency breeds trust. And if you already have an idea of pricing, at least, if not your prices, depending on what your business is. When they reach out, price should not be as much of an issue. I'm not going to say it's not an issue. It still could be an right. issue, right? All those people that say, we don't have a budget, then you tell them how much and they say that's too much. You're like, but you didn't have a budget. Yeah. yeah. Right. All yeah. budgets are made up. Just put it that way. Uh, Phil M. Jones, he's an author. He's got some great Audible originals. Phil M. Jones, um, he said, but all budgets are made up, which of course they were. Okay. Somebody has to make up every budget, which means all yeah. budgets can be changed which is why couples go over their wedding budgets by 30 to 50%. As they say down South, bless their hearts. They do that. <laughs> but I think it's because you don't know what the results you want cost. So how could you possibly budget for results that you don't know what they cost, right? So you do that. So let's say you send them your brochure, you send them your price list, you send them links to videos and photos and all the things like that. And then they don't respond to you because they're shopping you against the comp- competition. Or what I've seen way too often in your brochures and things is a whole lot of what and not a lot of why. And I got to tell you this, your what looks pretty much like everybody else's what. If, yep. if I was to list what a florist does, a wedding florist does, it looks the same whether you're charging. Oh my, you know who's the worst? It's the planners. God, they give these lists of 76 bullet points <laughs> of everything included in your service, but they all have the same list. Right, because because whether you're charging $500, $1,500, $15,000, $150,000, the list looks the same. 
the results are different and your connections are different than they're, you know, but that they look the same. A, a consultant's okay. list looks the same. A speaker's list looks the same, right? So you have to sell the why, not the what, which is why do I want you to provide these results? So you're selling the results and the why. And I rarely, rarely, before I get my hands on them, see a brochure that sells why. It usually sells what. This is what it is. This is how much I charge. There you go. Well, now they compare you to somebody else whose what looks the same, right? The next planner has the same list and that planner charges less. And as far as they're concerned, well, well, they charge less for the same thing. No, right? no, they don't. Okay. So that, that I think is a big one. The next one is you're asking for the call or the meeting too soon. And when you're okay. asking for the call or the meeting too soon, you're rushing the process. You know, it, it, it's like dating. You know, you wouldn't, wouldn't walk into a bar, see an empty stool next to somebody attractive and walk over and go, uh, hey, uh, uh, you want to get married? <laughs> you know? Do you think that happens sometimes because when they make, they put the form on their website, I see this a lot with hair and makeup companies. They put the form on their website and it asks every single thing. How many bridesmaids? How many need hair? How many need makeup? And then the only conversation to have at that point is here's the package. Yeah. Well, there's two parts to that. The first is every extra field on a form, less people will fill it out. Yep. It's statistically proven. Take fields off, more people fill it out. So first of all, you're losing good prospects because your mm -hmm. form is too long. That's the first thing. The second yeah. thing is you should only be asking what you need to know to start a conversation, which technically yes. is their name and their email. That's technically all you need, right? If they filled out your form. Now, I'm going to say you can ask for the phone number. I would not make it required. You might want to put a box next to it. Okay to text, right? Uh, in, mm -hmm. you know, Shannon, like you said, you might want to have a box that says, I'd like to have a meeting or whatever. Put that over there. Yeah. Uh, you could, should have a box that doesn't say comments. You should have a box that says, uh, oh. what, what, you know, what would you like to share with us about your wedding or your event or whatever it is? So encourage them to actually say something. But when you put other fields on there, like if you're a venue and you put a date field, you're putting the implication that this is the date they want. But how many times do people change dates? Oh all my the, God, as the, the venue time. all the time. Or if you force that field, they fill in, they just pick a date right. and it's not always, then you start selling to that date. Right, it, and instead of around they just, Yeah, they just picked it. Right, Yep. and that's why I say venues should- I learned that one the hard way. Right, I, I would not have venues putting your, your calendar on your website, showing oh, available God, dates, Yeah. right? Don't no. do that. You know, other vendors, like I know officiants that have done that. Listen, it, you're so far down the timeline that, yeah, the date is the date. And if you're not available, you're not available. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, but I, I still wouldn't do it. I have my speaking calendar on my website, but not everything is on there. I want people reaching out. Um, I, I've literally gotten three inquiries for August 21st already. <laughs> and I was already, wow. I'm already booked. And I got two, yeah. I got two more after that one. So it's crazy. So the... Asking for the call of the meeting right away is rushing the process, right? You've given them what they think they need so they don't they don't respond. And please don't send them to Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. They've reached- But you out. did all that work to get them to your site. And now you're like, go see other go things. Away. Yeah, go away. Just just go away. I don't want it to, <laughs> right? And then, and then what you're expecting is your brochure or Facebook or Instagram to get them to come back to you again, which is kind right. of crazy, right? So let's not do that. Um, the next thing is, you need to ask a question, but it needs to be a low commitment question. And what I mean by a low commitment question is it's a question that they're going to answer right away without having to talk to their partner, without having to think about it, because the goal is to continue the conversation that they started. 
You didn't start this. They started this, right? So the reason their contact form should be short is to get the conversation started quickly. If the phone rang, which we know it doesn't that often, but if it did, or if you offer texting or something like that, you don't know much. And yet you can have a conversation. So you want to do the same thing. Does it slow the process down a little bit? Yes, on purpose, on purpose. I think that's the biggest pushback, right? Because there's so many vendors in the wedding and event industry that are similar to a Vanessa. Vanessa's a solopreneur. She's running the world. She's the salesperson, the marketing, the baker. She's all the things. She does have delivery help, finally. But for she's it was just Vanessa for a really long time. And so the answer from the business owner is well, but I need all that information and it saves me time. And I think that my pushback was always if you're in Vanessa's spot where you're built into all the all-inclusives and you've got a shit ton of leads coming in from referrals from venues and you're on every list and you've got more leads than got, ask 40 questions, who cares? But if you're struggling and you don't have enough business, you got to like stop and look. Right, well, there's like, two What am I doing wrong? The first thing is listen to the language. It would be easier for me. I need to know. Listen to your language. Right. If that's why you're doing anything in your business, your focus is wrong. Because your focus yeah, has mm-hmm. to be on the customers. So it if I always be client first. Right. So what I would say is if I was Vanessa and I, or anybody and I'm getting in too many leads than I can handle, and I just did a podcast on my podcast, Wedding Business Solutions, about this. If you're getting in more leads than you can handle, then how do we get better qualified leads? Well, if you don't have pricing on your website, put at least the price range on your website because you're going to cut down the people that should not be reaching out at all. Because that's what we want to do. I don't want to get less good leads. I want to get less of the leads that shouldn't be reaching out. Right. So right. there's four ways to handle pricing right, in general, on your website, in your marketing, in an email. And you know, somebody's in the grocery store, taps you on the shoulder and goes, you're the cake lady, right? How much is the wedding cake, right? You know, all the time. All the time, right? Now that's a good thing. They know you're the cake lady, right? So that's a good thing. They do. Right. They do. So how do you answer that, right? There's four ways to answer the pricing question. The first is if you can tell them, tell them. You obviously can't. You're in the grocery store. They tapped you on the shoulder. And you're like, it's, uh, you know, I can't tell you that, right? If you don't want to tell somebody and you say to them, and I have this in my books, I've spoken about this. Uh, Shannon, I'd love to give you a price for that. Let me get a few details because I don't want to leave out anything that's important to you. And I don't want to charge you for anything you don't need. So let me get a few questions so I can find that out and then give you a price. Right. Okay. Right now, this is where you pause the episode and you hit on your podcast, go back 15 seconds. You listen to what he said again and you write it down. This is how I got so good, guys. I just, Alan tells you exactly what to say. There it, just write ironic. it down. That's it. Yeah. It's ironic because when people ask for estimates from us, they give us like the base, very basic information. And I do ask for the guest count. And I, I actually phrase it that way of, I don't want to give you too many options and things that you don't need. So let me know what type of cake or dessert you're looking for, how many people, like I ask those questions so that I'm not giving them right. everything that we ever offer. So it's just ironic that you said it that way because that's right. exactly how I say it in my email. Right, now your email probably asks a whole bunch of questions at once. I would probably ask one at a time because I would treat a phone, I would treat an email, text, WhatsApp, whatever, uh, the not messenger, Facebook messenger, whatever, as if it was a phone call, which is I ask a question, get an answer. I ask a question, get an answer. I know it slows it down a little bit, but it makes it conversational. People buy from people. They don't buy from companies. They buy from people. Nope. So that's the yeah, second way to talk about pricing. And then you would ask the first question. 
right? The, the third way to talk about price is my least favorite way is a starting price. And the problem with starting price, and so many people use these on their websites, is it's the cheapest thing you have. In other words, it's the thing you don't want to sell. And yet you put that on your website and you put that in your brochures and you say, my planning starts at, my cakes start at, my DJ services start at, my band starts at. And the thing you don't want to sell is the only number they've heard, which means that's what they think it costs. Because anytime we've been a customer and somebody says, starts at, your brain goes, that's what it costs because it's the only number I've heard. So the only time, the only time that you do a starting price is when there isn't a big range of pricing. So if somebody was looking for something, so Vanessa, they're looking at a cake and you're going to do two different kinds of design for them. They ask you, can you do this? And you say, sure, that starts at, you know, another $200, right? Because maybe it's 200, 250, 275. Okay, no big deal. We're good on that. But if what they're asking for could be 200 to 1,000, then okay. you're, they only heard 200. When you tell them it's 750 for that, they're like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Yeah, I thought it started at 250. <laughs> right. uh, it, it yeah, did. that was a couple of designs ago. <laughs> right, right. I, I love it's like the tire ads. We get these flyers in for tires. Starts at 49.99. Yeah. yeah, my wife's tire was $300 when she got the flat, yeah. right? It's like, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so my favorite way to talk about price without giving someone a price, because you can't in the supermarket, you can't on your website, right, is to say that this thing, and this you could have multiple price ranges for different types of thing, this thing ranges from here to here realistically, and do like the Olympics, throw out the cheap, cheap that you've done and throw out the high, high that you've done because they don't represent your real customers. Find a realistic range. If you want to throw another range in the middle and say it goes from here to here, most people end up here to here because they do. Right, like if you said my cakes go from here to here, it's going to be a big range. But I would I say on average, yeah, right. I I would bet sixty percent of your cakes end up in a much tighter range. They look right. different. Yeah. They have different flavors. They have different designs. But it's because you default to what you're comfortable with, what you can do really well, what people seem to be loving. If you're profiting well, which you should be, that's the other part of that. Then that's the range you're going to sell. Right. That's the thing that you're going to sell. So you default to that. So those are the four ways to talk about price. So if you're getting too many leads, the first thing I would say is put a realistic price range on your website and you can have different ones for different times of the year. So you can say like in season, out of season, weekend, weekday, whatever might apply to your business. Um, Like one of my clients, it's a venue. She's got her prices, not her range, her price per person on the website, including Mm -hmm. tax and service per person with a minimum guest count. And then it says for Friday, the minimum guest is this. For Saturday, the minimum guest is this. For Sunday, the minimum guest is that. You literally pull out your solar calculator and you can figure this out. You don't need, you know, a fancy scientific calculator. It's just literally multiply right. that times your guest count and you're done. Well, she doesn't get people reaching out going, oh, that's too much because they already know. As a matter of fact, it's going to yeah. be cheaper because they're, they think everybody who they invite is going to come, <laughs> but we know that's not the case, right? So it's yeah, probably right. going to be less. Well, then the upsell comes in. So you put that price range on your website, shorten your contact form. So now what you're doing is encouraging more leads because of the short form, encouraging less leads because of the price range. And now the people that make it through those filters should be more qualified, at least on price. At least Yeah, they're price. pre-qualifying themselves. Right, yeah. right. So, no, I like that. So in your messaging, if you want to get ghosted less, and this is the best tip, and I attribute this to Alan Katz, who's an officiant in Southern California. I was out there one one time and we're driving, going to dinner and we're just talking about stuff. And he said, yeah, I always have my team end every email with a question because it gets responses. 
And I had my duh moment because, well, of course, if you ask someone a question, the implication is you're waiting for an answer. Well, look at the end of your message. And I will bet you that most people's messages end with, I look forward to hearing back from you. I look forward to speaking with you. We can't wait to- Or let me know. Right. Let me know. My favorite is I always say like, let me know is where we die today. Right. Well, I I call them dead ends. Yep. If your message ends with a period or an exclamation point, you've ended the conversation because periods end sentences and thoughts, exclamation points emphatically end sentences and thoughts. You probably started your message with congratulations on your recent engagement (laughs) because one of my clients, Secret Shop, all of his competitors and 85% of them started that way, right? So now your message, some people are cringing right now because your message started with congratulations on your recent engagement and ended with, let me know, when you want to come in for a meeting, let me know yeah. when you come in for a tour or have a phone let call. Let me know. Look forward to hearing from you, period. Right. And those are two, right? Now you did period, period. There you go. And, and you're done. So the simple act of ending with one question, and I said ending emphatically because if you put the question and then you keep writing, it's like yeah. asking a question and keep talking, right? So yeah. you you don't put your question and write anything. Don't even write, I look forward to hearing back from you. Don't even write thanks. Put your name. Just put Vanessa, put Shannon, put whatever your name is, put that there. Um, this this webinar that I'm doing later this month, I, I said, when you write your question, which is its own paragraph, why is it its own paragraph? Because people scan, they don't read. We're humans, we scan, yeah. that's all we do. You open your message up, you scan the message, you want them to see the question. Therefore, the question is its own paragraph, which is one sentence right at the end and your name. Read what you wrote because autocorrect is not your friend. <laughs> no. Read, oh my God. read what you wrote and then send the message. And that's it. Now, the, the fourth thing is, does it fit on one screen of their phone? Your initial message. Oh, yeah. Right? So just today, the secret shopping, uh, my assistant, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if this was just a really good auto reply or if this is somebody just replying really quickly to me. And I said, well, send it over. And she sent it a desktop, a, a laptop screenshot. I wanted it on her phone, but she sent a laptop screenshot. And I said, you know what? It's a really well done autocorrect, uh, not autocorrect, auto reply. It merged in the date. It, it had, you know, really friendly kind of language and stuff, but I'm like, okay, no, they didn't just write this that fast over there. But I'm looking at it on a laptop going, that's a lot. If you put that on a phone, it's at least two screens worth. And nobody wants to read that if they don't know you and they just ask their information. I should say nobody. Most people don't. There are people that will. They have the time. They're the type of people that want to read every word that you wrote. Most people are like open, scan, don't have time for this TLDR, right? That's it. We've talked about that before. So... How do you fix that? Real simple. BCC yourself when you're emailing people and do that for about a week or two. You wrote it on your laptop, wrote it on your desktop, and now you read it on your phone. You read it on your phone and see what it looks like to somebody else and see how your attachments, don't attach anything, by the way, but see how your attachments are, see how your logos, if you have a photo, Shannon, don't you have a photo in your signature? right? See how mm-hmm. that comes through on the Gmail app, on the Apple Mail app, on yeah. Outlook or whatever. Not all that stuff comes through so good. So you want to look at it that way and see, because until they write you long, you should never write them long because if they are the soundbite kind, and we know who they are, right? They write your words. Mm-hmm. That's it. Two words, yeah. three words. Yeah. Right? And then you have other people that will write you the whole story. They're going to give you war and peace. Those people will read what you wrote. I call those novels when I get those. Right. But the novelist will read your novel 
right? Right. The, right. the Cliff Notes yeah. is not reading your novel. No. They're going to close They're scanning it. through it, not paying attention. Right. So mm-hmm. if you. I'll never forget, I had an assistant who would open her phone while she was, and she would literally open emails and swipe up before she read them. And once I saw her to the corner of my eye and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just trying to see how long it is before I commit. And I was like, mind blown. Right, right. Because she was 15 years younger than me. And it was, I was like, holy crap, we got to call. And I said to her, but you are the one sending the emails and they're really long. And you're, and she goes, oh, I didn't really think about them. Like send them to yourself. Well, And that's the whole point, right? Yeah. We are saying this is okay, right? I I remember being in a room one time and I split the room into um, baby boomers, Gen X and millennials. So this is before we had Gen Z on on the thing. And I said, just talk about, you know, your frustrations and stuff. And it came back and everybody's frustration was if I could get them on the phone, it would be so much easier. So obviously the baby boomers were like, yeah, I want to get them on the phone. And the Gen Gen Xers, which can go either way, right? Because they have older Gen Xers, younger Gen Xers. They were the same thing. It would be so much easier. Millennials are the opposite. No, the millennials were, it would be so much easier if I could just talk to them. And I said, well, really? I said, "Uh, time out. Do you guys you don't talk to anybody? Right. You don't. <laughs> yeah. And they said, yeah, we know, but it would be easier. I said, right, but you don't. I will say this though. I had in the last two weeks, two different venues, and sorry, venue and a caterer who did not have phone numbers on their websites at all. Oh, that's like half of our market. Right. At all. That's. But it, now again, it, I could see, you know, you, you don't have it prominent, but they didn't have it at all. No, no, it's on purpose. Right. They actually don't want them to call right. because those vendors usually are under 30. Right. Now, interesting, The neither of these vendors were under 30. Oh. One of them, the reason, they didn't really have a good reason why. So they put it on as we were talking, doing a website review. They literally added it. <laughs> uh, in it, it, Not prominently, but it's at least in the footer or someplace somebody can get to it. The other company's reason was that they're just not available to answer the phone all the time. I said, that is one of the worst reasons I've ever heard of not having a phone number because- There's a thing called voicemail. And I said, what I would do, because they, they, they deal with very high net worth people. I said, what I would do is I would get an answering service because people will leave a message with an answering service, a person yep. more so than with a, if they get your voicemail, they might hang up. But if a person answers, right. they're more likely to leave a message. So I said, I would get that. But I had a DJ, a guy who was uh, in his thirties, not under 30, but in his thirties, no phone number on his site. And I called him out on it. I, I I said, you know, why? And he said, well, they don't want to call me anyway. I said, well, how would you know? <laughs> like your phone number is not on your website. So how would you know yeah. that they don't want to call you? So I said, why don't you add it and see? He said, I'm going to get spam. I said, yeah, you know, you will. I, I, we all get the same person that calls us. Their name is Potential Spam. They all call us. Yeah. The funny first name for a person. But there you go. And I see him two months later. And guess what? Mostly spam. But two, yep. two mothers of brides called him. I was going to say that because I actually talked to Shannon about this the other day. A lot of my phone calls are parents, but I actually, was it Tuesday? I had a full, like from beginning to end, full day of in-person tastings. And every single one of them brought both sets of parents to the tastings. And I called Shannon immediately afterwards. And I was like, holy crap, like people's parents today, every single tasting brought their parents. And they're the ones who call me because they have the questions. They're old school, like, they call and ask the question instead of writing me a drip 
email campaign of right. a million questions. Yeah, no, they they, they want to do it in real time. They also might have the mm-hmm. time, right? They might not be yeah. working full time or whatever. And, and then, you know, they also might be paying, you know? But it's also an immediate response. Instead of waiting for an right. email, they're just like, hey, I just have a quick, simple question. Here's my question. Can you answer it? And you, usually they come because they are paying partially, but right. yeah. yeah. I do have one question before we yeah. before we end. So she's got she's got a hot one. This was a very excited when we were (laughs) making the questions to make sure she was like, we have to get this one in. So with the ghosting, because that's our topic, how do you suggest people get the inquiries? Because we talked about this a little bit earlier, the people who haven't told you no yet. How do you get them re-engaged in the back into the conversation to to like move along the lead process? Like if they haven't told me no, but I haven't heard from them, how do I get them re-engaged back into? The planning. Okay. So there's a, a couple of different points in the process where this could happen. So the first is you get an initial inquiry. They don't respond at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the second is you've had a conversation and now they're ghosting you. Right. I guess the third could be you've had a meeting and now they're ghosting you because these are all different possibilities here. So let's start with the first one. If you get an initial inquiry, they don't respond. You have to follow up. It's not up to them to get back to you. It's up to you to get back to them. Did they get your initial message? If you sent them an email, could have gone to spam. Maybe they didn't get your initial message. Uh, what is Google has what? The promotions folder. So there were things in your message that could trigger yeah. it to go to promotions. Outlook has clutter. You have to turn it off if you don't want to use have that, have it go there. So there's another, another problem. So you want to follow up. I, I outline in, in a couple of my books five different times. And I know we don't have time to go through it all, but I'll just give you real quick. So you respond as soon as you get the inquiry. Same day, you know, as quickly as you can. If it's late at night, first thing in the morning, you respond again the next day and you just say, hey, just making sure my message made it through to you yesterday and send the same message. Short message, no attachments, ends with one question. There you go. You still don't hear back. If you haven't already done so, try a different method. You, I like you to reach out the way they've reached out. So if they reached out through email, you email back. If they've emailed, messaged you through Instagram or through the nod or whatever, use the messaging back, Facebook message or whatever. If you haven't already tried a different method by the third day and you have another thing to use, you have their phone number, you can text them, you have uh, an email and you've been using Messenger, try something different, right? And then if you still haven't heard back, let it sit for a day or two. And then you send them this one sentence, just one sentence. Uh, I heard it, I read and I heard, I heard because it was an audio book. I heard in a book, uh, they called it the nine word email. It may be nine words, maybe 12, I don't know. But are you still looking for a delicious and beautiful cake for your wedding? Are you still looking for a planner to make your day stress-free, right? Are you still looking for a fun DJ to pack your dance floor? Just something like that. One sentence, that's it. No, I look forward to hearing back from you. No, anything else. You just put your name, read what you wrote, and then send it and drop the mouse. That's it, you're done, okay? If you still haven't heard back, now you can let it sit for about a week. By the way, you have now gotten to them four times when most of your competitors have done one, if one, because <laughs> some of them don't respond at all, okay? You've already done four, right? So you're already ahead of the game. And in about a week's time, you've done four. Let it sit for you know a few days or a week. I like to add a little humor at this point. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. One of my clients, a venue, our subject line was, um, uh, what was it? Uh, microwave or air pop? And it said, uh, hi, Shannon, thanks for reaching out about you know, having your, your beautiful wedding here at our venue. We haven't heard back from you. Can only imagine it's one of these reasons. 
bullet points. Number one, you found another venue. If that's the case, just let us know. Number two, you're so glad I reached out because you'd still love to talk to us about having your wedding here. And number three, you're binge watching some shows on Netflix and running out of popcorn and need me to send you more. Which do you prefer, microwave or AirPod? Okay. Uh, another one was uh, DJ, subject line, Bruno Mars at your wedding. And it was pretty much the same beginning and the bullets were one. You've chosen another DJ. Cool, just let us know. Number two, you'd still love to talk to us about, uh, you know, making your wedding great. Uh, great, let's talk. And number three, you won the lottery and Bruno Mars is playing live at your wedding. Inquiring minds want to know, let us know, right? So th this type of thing, and I've done the same thing for my business. I've, I've done, I had R2D2 and C3PO aren't responding. And number four was that the Imperial forces have your outpost pinned down. You want me to use the force to save you, right? I got five responses within 30 minutes that I had not gotten responses from something in the mail and then four other emails. And this got them to respond. So you have to try again. So that's the first thing. If they've never responded. Yeah, I've used that email a few times. I mean, for years I yeah. used it at the venue. And one time out of thousands of times I've sent it, somebody wrote back and didn't find my sarcasm humor funny. You know and she emailed my boss and he's like, I think that email's hysterical screw. Right. And at least she <laughs> responded. So right. It right. Got, it she got responded was like, you're at like that. I haven't, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't prioritized you. And I was like, crazy. I don't want to book this one. Let's right. close that and, file. Close it always file. gets me. I've heard that before, right? Like yeah. You didn't, you wouldn't respond and tell me you're not interested, but you'll tell me that right. you're offended by this. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, yeah. now there is one that a venue client of mine used after a tour, because I think you should use a similar process after the tour, but I'm going to talk about mm -hmm. the, the meetings of the tours in one second. But what they did was a couple came in, loved the venue, little out of their price range, maybe a lot out of their price range, but they really loved it. Maybe move the date, maybe cut the guest count. What can we do to have the wedding here, right? And then the couple left and they did the typical thing is we'll let you know, right? And, and the, the venue didn't ask for any kind of, clarification on that. So it was very ambiguous. And the couple, unbeknownst to the venue, is trying to make this work. I mean, and they're digging in the couch cushions for, for coins, right? They're, they're trying to make this work. The venue sends them an email and the subject line was, did you run off and elope? <clears throat> and it said, you know, hi, Vanessa, you know, or Vanessa and Tom, whatever, Vanessa and Judy, uh, you, you guys came in, you really loved the venue. We thought for sure you were going to choose us. So we can only imagine you decided to skip the wedding, go right to the honeymoon, and you're warming your toes on a sandy beach, drinking a cool drink with a small umbrella. If that's not the case, would you still like to talk about having your wedding here? The couple came back with this very long email. They were so interested. You're our number one choice. If only we can make it work. If there's anything we can do. I mean, there's all these like flares going off. We want to do this, want to do this. But the lack of transparency on the couple's part meant the venue was thinking, well, maybe they're not interested. Uh -huh. right? But we have to understand that we also have lack of transparency on our part, whether it's pricing or other things, that the couple doesn't know what we're doing. So we don't know. So the reason to keep reaching out and trying different things is just to get that, right? right. I had a guy reached out to me, filled out my contact form on a Friday, photo video company. I called him. I had the phone number. I'm sitting at my desk. I called him, right? Now I know it's B2B, but still, he didn't have to answer. He answered. And we talked for just a few minutes. He said, I really want to talk to you. This is what I want to talk about, but I can't talk today. It's Friday. Can we talk next week? I said, sure. How about Monday at two? Never say what's good for you, right? Because then they're going to go, I don't know what's good for you. None of you tell me what's good for you. None of you tell me what's good, right? And by the way, do that with your friends and partners when you're talking about dinner and movies. Never say, what, what do you want to do? Choice, no. of, always choice of two, okay? Two flavors, yeah, yep. two winner. Okay. 
So I call, I call him at the, at the, at the scheduled time, Monday at two o'clock. He doesn't answer the phone. Eh, people get busy. I get it. Right. I email nothing. I email again, nothing. Call again, voicemail, email again, nothing. Let it sit for a little bit. And then it's like two weeks later, I sent him an email that said, don't you wish your team was as persistent as I am? Because he's asking me. About- Mike, Mike drop. <laughs> right. He- yeah. Yeah. Right. He's asking about sales training, right? So don't you wish your right. team was as persistent? Here's here's where you're dropping the ball as your sales. <laughs> yeah. Right. So one of the things I'm doing right now with my secret shopping is partly for this presentation I'm doing at Wedding MBA about secret shopping and, and the results, but it's also people that have reached out about having me do training and that have not pulled the trigger. I'm shopping them now and I'm going to give yeah. them a report card. Oh, ow, ow. Right. And, it's going to hurt. Well, it's but gonna the, hurt. And the thing is, People take action faster to eliminate negatives than to get positives. So Mm -hmm. if I said, you know, hey, Shannon, you know, the house is getting a little bit older, maybe have the plumbing checked. And you'd be like, yeah, 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 we'll get around to that, right? But if I say there's a pipe leaking, nothing else matters right now, we fix the pipe, right? So how do we bring an intangible, which is the business you're losing, how do I bring an intangible to the forefront? What you want to do with couples is not scare them into booking you, but you want them to feel that if they don't book you, they're going to miss out on benefits they won't get with somebody else. And that's why selling the why, not the what, is so important, right? So when you have a meeting with someone, the next step has to be clear to you and to them. Because if it's not, it's ambiguous. And I have these little postcards here that say, ambiguous next steps bring ambiguous results. So if somebody says, We'll let you know. And you say, okay, I'll follow up. That's two ambiguous things on both of your parts. If somebody says, we'll let you know. And you say, fantastic. We'd love to help you out with your wedding. When were you looking to make your final decision? Now you might get some clarity on, well, no time soon, or we'd like to get it done this week. We want to check it off our list, right? Um, You know, we have other people to see or other venues to see or whatever. You say, fantastic. You know, I'd love to follow up with you. When do you have these other appointments? Because I'm sure you'll have some questions that you didn't think to ask me. And now you get some clarity. And what I would try to do is set up a, a phone call, meeting, get them to come back in, whatever, after that last appointment so that you can be the one that gets the last word and you could be the one, but you're being helpful. People buy from people. I said this earlier. They don't buy from companies. If you're not a resource to them, you're a commodity. We talk about that quite a bit on this show. We sure do. Well, (laughs) that sounds like an epic place to end. If you're not a resource, you're a commodity. Let's let's quote that right there. So before we wrap up and do our swag, Alan, where can people learn more about you? How you can help them? Of course, everything you share will be in the show notes, but in case you're listening. Allenberg.com, A-L-A-N. B-E-R-G.com. My podcast is Wedding Business Solutions. So you can just find it on Apple and Spotify and YouTube or just go to podcast.allenberg.com. My, by the time this comes out, uh, could be seven books. So I actually have six books out. So I have to update your, uh, whatever you found, whatever you found that. That's all right. I've got to find out where that is because if it's old on my website. It's your Instagram. I got it off your Instagram. Uh, See, I know it's, I know it's correct on my website. I put that in there. I got it no, on no, Instagram. No. Hey, that's, my your account. Sorry. that's my bad. No, no. Shows we'll you how much I you. shows you how much I like to pay attention to my Instagram bio. <laughs> right? uh, but uh, it, I'll have seven books uh, by that time. But my six books, my most popular book is Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events. Uh, but I also have Why Are They Ghosting Me? Why Don't They Call Me? And, and others in the new book that will be out. 
if you're listening to this, it could be out already, is stop selling and help them buy weddings and events. I if love it's it. not out, mark your calendar so you can go get it as soon as it comes out. Shopallenberg.com. See, look, it's like your own personal Amazon. And, I like it. And también todos mis libros disponible en español si necesitas. Sí. Yes, he's, he does presentations in Spanish. Oh. I, sh I should, but I do not. So <laughs> moving right along. This is where we do our swag. So at the end of every episode, we do swag, which is shit we all get. It's your homework for the week. Shannon, do you want to kick us off? Yes. I really love the where did the indecision come from? I think when you dig deep into the why they're not moving forward and trying to learn and understand that, I, that happened to me at the venue a lot that I'd say like, and all of a sudden you'd say, well, what are the next steps? Well, I need to bring my mom or they would kind of open the door to that. So I think that's something really important for you to keep in your mind. Like where does the indecision come from? So that's one of mine. Think about that. I have an entire page. So I know, gonna, I know. Like, we'll do two each. We'll do two each. We'll do two each. <laughs> I always take so many notes. I know. Um, one of the biggest parts of preventing getting ghosted is sending them too much information at one time to where they're just going to compare you to your competitors, sending them too much of the what and not enough of the why. What is the benefits of booking with you that they're not going to get from other people? And asking for the call or the meeting too soon, you're rushing them through the process. Remember, this is more like dating. You got to court them a little bit. And then asking, um, and then not finishing emails with the low commitment questions that they have to respond to or they feel like they need to respond to. One, yeah, so go one start question. looking at all your templates. Yeah, yeah. One go look question. at your one templates. Yep. One low commitment question. Mm -hmm. Only one, only one. Um, one. One of my others is only ask what you need on your form to move the conversation forward. I think most of the time you're failing and doing what Alan said, where you're not focused on the customer, you're focused on what you need, not, but you're asking so much information that there's really nothing left to do other than price shop you or to talk about. So look at your form and see what exactly do you need. I find similarly that they almost always ask what's the venue. And I think that that's not a necessary question. The date I get for availability, but the venue can be part of that initial conversation. So you can like reaffirm their decision and things like that. So um, so that was when my other like, look, go look at your form and see what do you actually need to know. And look at it, BC it to your BCC it to yourself, and look at it from a phone perspective as well. Yeah, one screen phone, like one yes. phone screen. That right. was my yeah. other. I I learned that from Alan like ten years ago. Right. Wedding in the end, and, and, and that's also for the contact form. Go to your website yeah, on right. your phone. Open up right. your contact on form. your phone. Right. My form is a little longer than I would want because I deal international so that I do ask the country and, and stuff like that. And it goes right into my CRM. But if you can text me. So that's another thing I have texting on my website. The first time I got texted was a baby boomer. It wasn't the millennial or a Gen Z. It was a baby boomer. I ended up getting booked for, for a meeting. Um, I have texting on my site, which now has a little bit of a form. So it's not just regular text, but it's got, it, it lets you ask what type of service. And then it just asks for your name, your email, and your phone number. That's it. Because that's nice. all I need to know. To, you started yeah. the conversation. I didn't start it. Yeah. Well, that's what people have to remember is that these are hot leads. They're not cold calls. So right. they want to have the conversations. The last piece of swag that I have, I know we normally do three, but we're doing four today, is um, part of the re-engagement. So I wrote down a couple of bullet points. So the first initial email. 
followed by a just checking in email, send that on your second day. And that's going to be, did this go to spam? Maybe it went to the wrong folder, just making sure you got it. Your third day, you're going to try a different way of contacting them. So if they have a phone number on there or any other social media or anything like that, reaching out. Your fourth day, you're going to ask them, are you still looking for, and then fill in the blank of whatever type of um, business you have to be part of your day. And then wait about a week and then do the humorous email of um, <laughs> you either have found what you need, you're still thinking about us, or you're binge watching Netflix. Would you like microwave popcorn or <laughs> air pop? So I That's thought that was funny. hilarious. Yeah. I like it. It's a different way of following up without being like, do you have any questions? Do you need anything? Like, right. I love that. And it doesn't yeah. have to be popcorn. If you can do something local to your area. Yeah, just something humorous. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I, you've been out paddleboarding on Lake Okeechobee and the wind is against oh, you. Right? Yeah. That, or you've been hanging out at Disney, you right. know, in Orlando. Yeah. You know, what's like, local yeah. to you? You know, you're you're, yeah. you're you're climbing out in the mountains and whatever. You're on the Appalachian Trail. You know, whatever it is, just something that's not offensive, right? That somebody right. would go, oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? What you, all you want them to do is come back and say, hey, he's, you know what's really funny? They apologize to you. They come back to you mm -hmm. and they say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so yep. sorry. Yeah. My, uh, my original podcast producer, Richie, is a DJ in Salt Lake City. And one weekend, he went back to people that had not responded. I, he had conversations with some of them, maybe not with some others, but months worth, not like this week's worth, months worth. He booked five weddings. Yeah. Booked. And every one of those couples apologized to him. Hey, Richie, really sorry. We got busy with, we've been doing this, we were whatever. We had to book this other thing for whatever it was. They all apologized to him because they did get his messages. They did see the messages and they did what we all do, which is prioritize. You go to your inbox, yeah. which is constantly moving and you prioritize the ones that you respond to now and the others get buried. I just want you to put yourself back at the top of their inboxes, whether it's a messaging inbox, a text inbox or an email inbox. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been so many nuggets. Like I said, I have a full sheet of paper. As always. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting note, me. I'm a note taker. Let's let's do this again sometime. <laughs> yes. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, we should have him on for a sound off. That would be great. Oh, yeah. That's a rant episode, but we got to get a good topic to rant about with Alan Berg. I can't wait. Bourbon. I could rant about bad bourbon. Oh, yeah. no. oh me too. <laughs> you? What? Oh, Introvert wait. juice. Please. Oh, oh, oh. 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 That's my own barrel. I drink I drink bourbons and whiskeys and Shannon called it my introvert juice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she's an introvert until she I give her bourbon and then she's a damn good time. Well, my my barrel is re-aging. That one's got about seven or eight different bourbons that have been mixed together into a barrel. And now they're because they don't age in glass. So now they're aging some more yeah. that it's in our mm -hmm. barrel. And it says on the front that it's the Berg bourbon blend. And nice. it says blended in New Jersey. Got a problem with that? <laughs> I'm so jealous right now. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or we made you laugh, follow, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Next month, talking about maximizing your slow season. Including updating your packages, revamping your website, and so much more. Now, go make epic shit happen with all the things Ellenberg taught you to do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>